I invite you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And before we read these words, let us pray. O God, the light of your glory shines in the darkness of our lives. Make us attentive to your word, eager to listen to them and prompt to follow them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Timothy 4, verse 1 through 8. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. This is the word of the Lord. I'm not sure what this, this is a nice, we went to the Broken Islands, this is not my sermon. (laughs) Here's Jody, here's my daughter Anna, my son Lucas, and me, my brother John, my sister Elsie, man, uh, not, not it. Wrong file. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Every time. <laughs> okay. We'll just give them a sec. Oh, my, my, th- oh, it's in the top drawer. Okay, of my office. <coughs> okay. Well, let's just start, I guess. Preach the word is what Timothy says. And as H.B. Charles points out, we think of preaching as a religious activity. Here we are in church and we hear a sermon. Preaching is what we do in church when we're being religious. But when Paul used this word for preaching, it was a political word. When the, whenever the emperor or the governor wanted to go somewhere, he would send out a preacher, send out a herald, send out someone to go before him and say, the emperor's coming, get ready. And everybody would get ready because that was important. To preach is to herald the arrival of someone important. If the emperor or the governor 
couldn't get to a place and still wanted to announce something like a military victory or, or a child is being born or, or maybe wanted to tell of a new law that has been enacted, then he would send out the heralds to go out and speak these words. This is what the emperor has to tell you. And the herald would have to make sure to remember the message. And if he got the message wrong, he'd be in trouble with the emperor. And, and he would speak the word of the emperor. It wasn't his own, but it belonged to the one he represented. And if the people didn't like the message, they could beat up the messenger, but they, they, would have to, they couldn't deny that the message had been spoken from an important person. And it doesn't take too long before our minds go to preaching in church and start making connections between this and preaching the word. The preacher is a herald of the one who has won a great victory, the one who holds all authority in heaven and on earth and who is coming once again one day, who has a message for us to live by as we await his return. And Pastor Laura is going to be the main herald of that good news. For a time, we will be seeing a lot of her in our pulpit as she announces the kingdom, as she announces the victory and what it means for us, as she announces the kingdom that is coming one day and is already here, as she tells us the way of Christ. Oh, here we go. We got the picture. There. Yay. So this is the word to her, as, as well as to all of us. And now, please... There are new batteries. Just, here we go. We're going to get a new one of these things someday. There we go. Where are we here? Oh yeah, preach the word. There's a herald. And now, this is the message for Pastor Laura. Preach the word. Let's think firstly about the seriousness of this call. This is the charge that Paul gives to Timothy. And it's not advice. This isn't a suggestion that he has for him. This isn't, hey, do this if you can, among all the other things you're doing. It's not, it's not even an assignment. It's a charge. It's an imperative. It's a command. It's a prime directive. It's do this. And make this the thing you do. And he calls down everything holy when, when he says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. He appeals to every transcendent reality that he knows. The true and living God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the final judgment of the living and the dead, the second coming, the kingdom of heaven. Everything he knows that's, that's weighty and powerful and has authority in, in this world. And he says, as God is our witness, Timothy, you have to preach the word. I'm giving this task to you, but it's not just me. It's Jesus. It's the one who will judge us all. It's the ruler of the heavens and the earth who's telling you this. Preach the word. You have to do it. This is serious business. It's laid upon you and has weight. Paul himself was under this charge. As he says in 1 Corinthians 1 or 9, verse 16, I am compelled to preach 
Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Something has been placed on his life as well. And it compels him to preach the gospel. He cannot do anything else. If he didn't preach the gospel, his life would be full of woe. He wouldn't be a successful human being. If he did not follow this charge, it was part of him. And he's passing that mantle on to Timothy. I charge you, preach the gospel. Do you get a sense of the seriousness of this call? The weight of it? It now becomes his purpose, his one thing in life. Preach this gospel. It defines him. It's his identity. He must preach the word. And and we, we thank God for people like Timothy who took up the charge. And in the early days of the church, he faithfully carried the word of God into the whole world. And on the foundation of that preaching, the church has been built. And we thank God for people he sends to communicate this tr- his truth. This is a serious call on Pastor Laura's life. What a charge for her to be a preacher, to be the main preacher at Community CRC. The mantle has been placed upon you, Pastor Laura, to continue this ancient practice of proclaiming God's word. And, and just when we're thinking, okay, well, that's nice, we've We've applied this passage to the one person who who needs it. What about the rest of us sitting here? we, We have to recognize that all of us have this placed upon us as well. In one way, you live into this charge by providing for and maintaining the preaching of the word. You support the preaching of the word through supporting the church budget, through Stepping up and becoming a leader in the church who supports the pastor and, and, and keeps the pastor accountable to the word of God and encouraging her in her preaching role through your active engagement in worship and your feedback on sermons. And there's more, not just for leaders, but also for every one of us because all of us share in Christ's anointing. All of us are prophets, priests, and kings, and all of us have a prophet, prophetic office. And as a prophet, you are called to speak the word of God into our world, and you are charged to witness to the power of the gospel to pr- transform lives. And when you share your faith story with a neighbor, when you speak the truth to power, when, when you model grace and forgiveness in your life, you are preaching the word. You are telling the story of the victory of Jesus and how it might apply to another person's life. It's on you to communicate the gospel in your own way, not just with actions, but also with words. And that's a serious call placed on you as well, as a follower of Jesus. This is a serious call. Let's also notice the substance of this call. Paul says, preach the word, not just any word, but preach, here we go, preach the word, hang on, preach the word, the word, not just stories, not just humorous anecdotes, the further stories of the pastor, not public service announcements, preach the word, the word, the word about Jesus, the king, announce his kingdom, Proclaim his victory. Declare his law of love. 
Reveal the heart of God that he writes on every page of Scripture. This word is the gospel of Jesus. It's good news of his birth, of his teaching, of his, his cross, his resurrection, his ascension, his Holy Spirit, and his sure return. It's the word of God that transforms us through grace. It's the word of mercy. It's the word of judgment. It's the word of reconciliation. It's the word of power that never goes away from God without achieving its purposes and goals. Something God intends. This word is the word of salvation for the whole world. It's the word of guidance for every kind of good work. This word matters. It's the word of life and death. And that's why Paul heaps on some more charges that are connected to preaching. All these imperatives, these, these charges that he has. You have to do this. He says, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. You sense that urgency of this word, this, this word. Be ready at all times. Use this gospel to correct people. Use it to rebuke. How often have we been rebuked? Wow, what a word. Use it to encourage people and do all these things patiently and carefully. You know, years ago, somebody rear-ended me at a light, totaled the car, and I had some, some soft tissue injury in my back, and my back hurt. So I thought, well, the insurance corporation of British Columbia is now going to give me a massage. At least I'm going to get a massage out of it. So I went to my doctor, and, and she, she gave me a requisition to go to the Swedish massage um, in, in North Vancouver. I'm going, Swedish massage? That sounds good. Um, I'm, I'm happy and relaxed just thinking about that. So I got there only to find my masseuse. I think her name was Svetlana or something. <laughs> she didn't believe in nice, relaxing massages. And she says, if you want a nice massage, you go somewhere else. If you want me to fix your back, I'll fix your back. So she worked on my back, and it hurt. And I walked away in pain. And yet after a few treatments, along with the exercises, she gave me as homework. Homework from a massage. I mean, I, I just want a nice back rub. I had homework. And then my back started feeling better. And I still use those exercises when my back hurts. The Word of God isn't some nice, happy little message for us. It's not some perky little pick-me-up. Preachers are not proclaiming some, health or some self-help advice. I mean, go to Oprah for that. It's of supreme importance. Going deep into our souls and doing its transformative work. As Paul says, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, we want this nice little message that we can accept and we can control and we might be able to apply it if we want to. Something not too jarring or pointed and it better not be negative or make us feel bad. But that's not what the word is meant to do. If you want nice, happy, insipid messages, watch, binge watch some Hallmark movies, you know, and you'll get enough of that. This word corrects us when we wander. 
It rebukes us against our pride, our folly, and our willful ignorance. It sometimes hurts us, and that's what we need. Along the way, it affirms, convicts, and nourishes us, and that's what most deeply encourages us. We walk away convicted, chastised, and deeply encouraged as we find healing and hope from these words. And only from this word can we be equipped for every good work. And it heals us. It's the word of life. And Pastor Laura gets to speak it. And she gets to let it do its work in our lives. And the task as a church is to make sure that she and all preachers preach that word. Hold us to that standard. Call us out when we don't bring out the substance. And as one of our, our favorite songs places on our lips, show us Christ. Oh God, reveal your glory in the preaching of your word. This is a substantial calling. It's also a struggle. A calling with a struggle. As Paul says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. In Timothy's day, it was tragically easy to find such teachers. They were called sophists, which comes from the word wisdom. But they weren't wise at all. Maybe they were streetwise or worldly wise or wise to the ways of getting money out of your pockets. But they went from city to city offering to teach anything for pay. Whatever the crowd wanted to hear, that's what they taught. They appealed to fables, they appealed to myths, they appealed to genealogies, and people thought, cool, that sounds, yeah, there's something in that. And then they promised secret knowledge that would help people find healing and health. They were the ancient snake oil sellers peddling their discredited theories and cure-alls to anyone who would listen and pay. They were good at rhetoric. They could stir your emotions. They could make you feel what they were saying. But they were fraudsters who took people for their money and moved on, not caring about the spiritual damage they left behind. Why do we listen to false teachers? Perhaps because we want to take the easiest path, the path of least resistance. We want God to do our bidding, to give us health and wealth for just a prayer, to give us a life of leisure because, well, don't we all deserve that? We want everything to be polite and nice with no rough edges or messiness. We don't want to do the hard work of dealing with our sin or bad behavior. Just make me feel good about myself and I'll give you money. Maybe we don't go for the tin foil hat wearers or the moon landing skeptics or the Illuminati alarmists, but we want a spirituality that doesn't deal with the truth of sin or the necessity of the cross. Such things are foolishness in the eyes of many teachers. We preachers live in a world like this, and we preach in a world like this, a world of many messages, a world of the internet. You can go anywhere in the internet, and you can find what you want to hear, and it will tell you what you want to hear. And you will find a virtual community to support you. 
And into this world comes a message of truth, a message that affects us deeply. As Oscar Romero, the well-known Roman Catholic bishop in El Salvador, who knew the tensions of living in a world of conflicting messages, he had this to say about the struggle of preaching. He said, a church that doesn't provoke any crisis, a gospel that doesn't unsettle, a word of God that doesn't get under anyone's skin, a word of God that doesn't touch the real sin of the society in which it is being proclaimed. What gospel is that? Very nice, pious considerations that don't bother anyone. That's the way many would like preaching to be. Those preachers who avoid every thorny matter so as not to be harassed, so as not to have conflicts or, and difficulties, do not light up the world they live in. This is someone who has taken to heart the words of Paul to Timothy. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge the duties of your ministry. In other words, preach the gospel in season or out of season, when it's, when it's well-loved and when it's not well-loved. Keep at it, knowing that it will not be received or accepted at all times by everyone. But this is the word of God. This is the truth that will be borne out. Paul himself knew the struggle of the gospel. This, this letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy, is considered to be his last letter. And he says so in, in verses 6 through 8. I'm being poured out. I'm going to die, Timothy, I know it. And he knew the gospel was not safe. And preaching it could be risky. And it was good, but it was good and trustworthy. And there was a crown of glory awaiting those who follow it. And Oscar Romero himself was killed by a right-wing death squad who didn't appreciate his advocacy for the poor and the marginalized. And the struggle sometimes goes this way. Sometimes it stays at the level of polite refusal or benign annoyance, but it can be a struggle to preach the word. So on that positive note, I'd like to end this message. <laughs> preach the word. What a serious call this is. What a substantial call this is. What a struggle it often comes with. And yet, the promise of preaching still holds for all who communicate, believe in, and live out of this gospel truth. As Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's the path to life. That's the path to freedom. Keep on heralding this truth. Amen. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for your word. It is a light to our, our feet, a lamp to our path. May we hear it, may we understand it, may we follow it. And Lord, thank you for sending Pastor Laura here to teach us in its way. We pray that you would send your spirit and keep her in, in your care so that she may proclaim and explain and live in front of us this gospel of, of light and give us true peace and freedom in Jesus. And we pray